HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. I'm Sam Edwards. I'm third generation cure master from S. Wallace Edwards and Sons in Surrey, Virginia. We support the Heritage Radio Network because we believe in the cause and what they're doing. They're supporting family-raised livestock, small family farms, uh, certified humane, pasture-raised, antibiotic-free. Basically, we take the products from Heritage Foods USA and make them into uh, Serrano-style hams, prosciutto-style hams, bacon, sausage, like my grandfather did. You can find us at Surrey Farms. Dot com or virginiatraditions.com. All right, it's Thursday, one o'clock. We all know what that means. It's time for the Farm Report. Farm Report Radio. Awesome. Heather, welcome back. How was Florida? Miami. It was a trip. Oh, man. Um, I was down there hanging out. Oh, I definitely was not hanging out. I was working my butt off with the crew here from Roberta's. We had all the the, the major players from this restaurant down there. Kind of just uh, changing the way uh, you uh, get your food at um, any kind of uh, big event. This one was uh, Art Scope. So we want to give a big shout out to the guys at Art Scope for, for having us down there and really getting to serve up um, food the way it should be, not out of a little closed plastic box where you, you don't really see how it's getting made. Um, we, were, we were serving up yakitori sandwiches, uh, some heritage pulled pork um, on uh, coconut rice, uh, you know, really just having a good time. Uh, we had some of the um, amazing drip blue bottle coffee up there so people were were just having a good time and and so were we so we really uh uh, look forward to kind of just doing some more of these uh, festivals and and being on the circuit and and really changing the way festival food is brought to you so uh roberta's kicked ass down there thanks to art scope for for letting us do our thing and uh yeah. Cool. Uh, Welcome back. It's I'm good to have to you be, back in studio. Be here, for sure. Also in studio, we are excited to uh, have Gabby Blavatsky. Um, Gabby, like many of our guests, wears approximately one to two million hats. <laughs> um, most notably, she is currently a uh, master's student at NYU Wagner School of Public Service. She's focusing on public administration uh, with a particular concentration on non-for-profit management and policy. She also works as a legislative aide um, in the policy division for Councilwoman Christine Quinn, and we're excited to kind of hear more about 
both of those things um, and kind of tuck into FoodWorks, a vision to improve New York City's food system, which is a 59-point plan uh, that, that the Quinn's office has just launched uh, looking at the food system in New York. So, Gabby, welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, so curious, how did you kind of get into this role? I mean, you were at, at Wagner, you're working for Quinn's office. You also used to work as a market manager. I Give did. us a little history. I did. So I uh, moved here a few years ago and started at Wagner. And I originally came to this school really interested in environmental justice issues. And um, the more I started studying the issues, the more I realized how much food was involved in environmental justice and the production of food. And so I just started looking around the city for jobs that were available in, you know, the food world here in New York. And um, it, the economy wasn't great. So I was, you know, kind of looking around initially mm. for internships and stuff. And eventually I found an unpaid one with Green Market, which I was super excited to get. And um, I was there for about six months uh, working with their um, market outreach coordinator. And uh, they asked me if I wanted to run one of their farmer's markets for them. So that's how I initially got on board. And from there, I um, ran the Rockefeller Center Market, the Grand Street Market. And then um, I got introduced to Bob Lewis. Ah, right. Bob Lewis. So he, um, you know, as you know, started farmer's markets in New York City. He's an amazing man. And um, I ended up interning for him this last summer at the New York State um, Department of Ag and Market. And through him, I met, <laughs> awesome. you know, it's one of those things that through him, I met Sarah Brannon, who um, works for um, the, you know, Speaker Quinn's office. And actually, uh, she had an internship position opening. And um, yeah, the rest is it's history. history. So you're in school part time working part time kind of both all, all the balls are in the air all the balls are in the air and trying to change the world as you do it yeah trying <laughs> slowly but surely so I've been reading through the report and I just want to like touch base about a couple of things that I found really surprising um for example the price per calorie of zucchini and lettuce is a hundred times greater than the price per calorie of sugar <laughs> or butter um New Yorkers are consuming more calories each day than we did a generation ago, largely because it has become easier and cheaper to consume higher calorie and unhealthy foods. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that New York State was the second, nationally the second (laughs) highest producer of cabbage. Yep. That's why we have so much surprise, coleslaw. Surprise. You know, the, the, the Jewish delis in New York City. Oh, they're you know? a thriving marketplace. Also, sauerkraut. <laughs> yes, I forgot. That the city is second only to the Department of Defense in purchasing of institutional meals. I think, like, so many factors in this report. So, Heather, what, well, why don't you take us through the five yeah, steps? Yeah, there are five steps to this report, which are actually five things that we like to make sure we always represent on the Farm Report and mm-hmm. these people that come in every single week that we talk to touch on or work most importantly with them, which would be agricultural production, processing, distribution, consumption, and uh, post-consumption. So these uh, these five phases, and, and you know, as Erin had just mentioned, some of her you know things that stood out to her all take, uh, I would assume, a lot of research and energy. And you know, you're a student, and we you know we kind of were wondering about how you know, higher education plays a role in this or how you kind of gather all this information to, to create a report like this. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about who was involved in working on this report and, and how we got to um, be able to talk about all these five points. To- 
Well, there are a lot of different ways we got information. So there, um, you know, Sarah Brandon, she's uh, the woman I work for there at the council. Um, she's a head, you know, a senior policy advisor there. She really guided this research. So she, you know, she decided, you know, what we should look for, what kind of information she wanted. So from with her direction, I, you know, of course, using skills I've learned at school for research and a lot of the huge NYU, you know, <laughs> online research directory that they have uh, looked for a lot of um, scholarly journals, peer-reviewed journals, and that's where we got the majority of our information from. So it's just a matter of like literally reading dozens and dozens and dozens of journals to find the information that we wanted that really explained the problem, you know, found in our food system, and also offered, you know, researched backed data for you know the recommendations and and um the you know solutions we were looking for in addition to that there were uh, nine uh different stakeholders in the community that are you know are really influential here in new york city that we that sarah put together um is a it's called the food system advisory committee mm-hmm. um we put together and those included um hillary Baum from the Baum forum there was nevin cohen who you know from, of course, from the new he's school, from new school. Um, <laughs> and a guest on the show definitely yeah. yep. he's great and there's joel berg from new york city coalition against hunger hunger excuse me michael Kennard from the urban design lab at columbia um, Bob Lewis, who I mentioned before, Christina Grace, Ruth Katz from Stone Barn Center, Fern Grail Ostro, and Karen Cart from Cart Resources. And so they all, you know, they were kind of the people that vetted, we vetted the information through and who gave us a lot of recommendations as well. So they were really crucial in getting a lot of this research. That was one of the things that, that was mentioned in the report. Is, and I think something I've been thinking about as a grad student as well is, the kind of lack of, of research or lack of kind of basic data with regards to to food systems and food in cities. Um, we've talked a little bit about that with regards to agriculture production. I know um, Mar- Mara Gittleman has been on the show talking about kind of mapping um, food production in the city. Yeah, she did those amazing community garden maps all over the city. They're incredible. Yeah, so what do you think, I mean, what do you think is the role for graduate or PhD student and like higher education as far as we're looking to kind of build a, a, a basis of data. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, you know, my experience has been that um, just using my, you know, analytical skills, just going through all this information and, you know, what, using your graduate training, like figuring out what's important, what's not, like being able to really analyze the reports and journals that you read, like, you know, is this what makes this, you know, information good or bad or trustworthy or not? And mm-hmm. just really being able to back up, you know, what you, the policies you want to pursue, like you need to have that you need to be able to trust that base of Put it through that filter. Exactly. So you started also at Wagner. You you were kind of instrumental in launching, a, is it a food policy group? Or what is, what's the student group that you're, you're a part of? It's called the Wagner Food Policy Alliance. Um, it's a small group, but we're, we've put on actually a lot of, um, you know, different events on campus. We've been doing some speaker panels. Um, we actually just we most recently did a collaborative happy hour, which you were part of, yes. um, of different, um, you know, food minded 
graduate students around the city, uh, along with Columbia's Mailman School and a few others. So that's speaking for someone that's so interested in being a part of something like this, I mean, are, is this open to people who aren't students? As oh well? yeah, definitely, definitely. We're just trying to, you know, it's like you're talking about what you know, just trying to figure out like what is the role for grad students like this in this world? Like, how do we penetrate? you know this you know policy world and make a difference and i think just making it's all about who you know and just making these connections with each other like hopefully eventually one day we'll all be colleagues working in this field so making those connections early is really important and i guess just like any other kind of like you know school based thing i mean there's so many people that aren't necessarily in your program that really are interested in this but can't take a class in in food policy or or something like that because it just doesn't fit into their schedule so um you know artists and, and musicians and people of course have as much interest so please do um you know figure out a way let's get in touch and, and get more people involved in, yeah, in this to. so um how can people actually learn more about where these happy hours would be or the next meeting so they can get involved we're trying to figure that out right now i think what we're going to end up doing is putting together a blog a collaborative blog for the group so i can update you in the future about where you know that blog will be what the address will be so perfect you know definitely you just kind of toss that idea around i think two days ago <laughs> yeah it was like the very new the mass group email right of like, exactly when can we all meet <laughs> but and i think another kind of really important thing to think about with with regards to there's a lot of energy in the city amongst people with totally different backgrounds and one of the great opportunities for getting together is looking for ways to educate those people about some of the real issues with regards to you know sustainable farming in the northeast and in different parts of the country and one of the things that i thought was so great about the report is you guys really have kind of revered representatives like bob like christina um, from the new york state department of egg and markets on to create a voice as as you're putting the policy together so that was awesome we're going to take a a break in a quick sec here um lots more to talk about when we come back we need to know what's next We're excited. We'll be right back on the Farm Report. This is a message from our friends at TechServe and the Lower East Side Ecology Center. The Ecology Center is rolling out its 8th annual After the Holidays e-waste events with 10 events scheduled in January 2011 to help you responsibly dispose of all your unwanted or broken gadgets. Help meet their goal of collecting 100 tons this January by spreading the word to your friends and neighbors. For more information, visit www.lesecologycenter.org. Again, this has been a message from the Lower East Side Ecology Center and our friends at TechServe. song you've been listening to is Fish Cakes by Rectech, Bushwick's very own Rectech, and you can hear more from Rectech at rectech.bandcamp.com. His EP will be coming out on Fancy Restaurant Records January 14th. 
Back to you guys. Awesome. Welcome back to the Heritage Radio Network's Farm Report. We are in studio with Gabby Blavinsky. I always, I always want to add an I-N to it. What is my problem? Blavatsky. 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 Like all of my Polish relatives are like, <laughs> you know, they want to be represented too. I understand. But they're not here. So, <laughs> so the report launched, uh, what, two weeks ago? Yes. November 22nd. November 22nd. Awesome. And it was at the Food and Finance High School. I had no idea. There's like an entire high school. I would have loved to be there. Yeah, yeah. it was cool. Um, <laughs> that blows me away about New York City is I'm from San Francisco and we never had specialized high schools <laughs> on the level that New York has. Yeah. It's crazy. There's yeah, you walked into the school imagine. and like through the metal detector and <laughs> there's high school kids running around in chef coats, yeah. learning about uh, aquaponics, learning about restaurant management at a high school level it was exciting i thought that was such a smart choice for the launch definitely um so we want to kind of tuck into the report a little bit we're going to work our way through and i would just love to hear some of the things that were highlights for you we'll start with the agriculture production um what were some of the points that that you guys worked on for that that you're kind of particularly excited about um i think just learning about just the fact that how much food New York State produces was just unbelievable to me. You never think of New York State as being this like huge agricultural state. You meet people at farmers markets and they don't even know that there's farms here. And we're, oh my gosh. you know, and it's crazy. <laughs> and we're a huge producer. So yeah, just learning about, you know, how many products we produce, um, how much dairy we produce. That yes. was a huge yeah, factor. Third in the nation yeah, for dairy production. Pretty amazing. Second um, for Apple. Yep. Behind that Washington. I would have guessed. I'm an apple picking my whole <laughs> life. I am a native New Yorker, so that's one thing. <laughs> yeah, big on apples. Definitely. Um, as far, yeah, and, and just how huge um, organics are in this state. You know, we're one of the leaders in organics and um, and how huge we are in this local food movement, which, uh, you know, is the reason a lot of us are sitting in this Such room. trendsetters. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But we have to keep that up. Otherwise, who else is going to spread the good word? Definitely. And, you know, that's unusual in the country. Even though the United States produces so much agriculture, New York is really in the forefront of a lot of these issues. So And diversified. So Very, let's just yeah. keep it that way. Definitely. Yeah. And I think one of the things I thought was great about the report kind of across the board is you guys really set things in a historical context. So not only are you talking about the proposals that, that you think are great for New York City, but you're also like, wh- where does New York stand nationally? You touch on the farm bill. Um, and you talk a little bit about farmland protection, which has been an issue we talked about on the show. Mm-hmm. I was shocked. Um, that that there's been a 70.1% drop in the number of farms and a 76.8% uh, loss of farmland acres mm-hmm. over the last, what is it, 50 years? That's insane. It's huge. And w- I guess, you know, it wasn't totally shocking to me that, that we're losing farmland, but that compared to the rest of the, the nation, you know, New York has lost 70% and the national average is 20. Like, come on, New York. Like, let's go. Yeah, I, I mean... Just if you think about the fact that, you know, Queens was largely an agricultural borough up until the 1930s, like we've just been in urbanizing so much faster than a lot of the country. So I think that that has a lot to do with it. You know, sprawl and development um, has really accelerated that. But if you look around the country, yeah, it's it's pretty consistent with the rate of like farmland loss wow. around the United States. I would, I would say, too, like... um one of the things that the report, I think, also it gives us a great opportunity to start this conversation among New Yorkers about what is the role for urban constituents and and 
And what do you think is the role for urban constituents? I mean, how can we living in the city really affect change? I think it's through purchasing power. You know, we upstate farmers, they really depend on the city for selling what they produce. We're the biggest market for them, you know, and we 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 support what they do through, you know, supporting their families and Mm -hmm. and, in giving allowing them to continue production every single year. So I think that, you know, but that by local is voting with your dollars, voting with your dollars, one of our favorite things to say. It's very true. Yeah, I mean, and one of the next things, you know, we said we're going to go through these five phases of the food system, something that interests us so much, and we always talk about, when is this next slaughterhouse going to open in New York State? But processing, I mean, on agricultural level, there's lots of different processing that needs to happen. What in this report about processing are we most excited about? Um, I, you know, just trying to get um, a lot more, yeah, like you said, processors, local processors in the city, trying to, um, processing is actually one of New York City's biggest industries as it is, so mm-hmm. really just trying to um, support the businesses that exist here. You know, the land is so expensive in New York City, and it's really hard for a lot of these manufacturers to stay, you know, competitive because they have to pay ridiculous rent sometimes and a lot of them you know look to move to New Jersey unfortunately so we're really the city is really trying to do a lot to like you know help them find available space and we're putting together uh, the city's putting together a business to business conference eventually is one of the proposals to match food manufacturers with you know people who have available space and who want to buy from them um so I guess it's just making that information more available make, to the exactly, people who need it. Exactly. And helping helping small businesses, family businesses when you can. Awesome. What, can you give us an example of like processing? Like what are some of the what, what, yeah, some what of is one of the processing things? facilities yeah. that we're talking about? So something like Damascus Bakery is a huge one in uh, Brooklyn. It's enormous. And it's been it's a Syrian family that started it. And I think in the 1930s and it's been here forever. And it's one of the biggest in, in the city. So. Um, yeah, but New York, when it comes to processing, the, it's mostly bakeries. That's what we're really known for. Mm. And specialty goods. And surprisingly, chocolate is huge in the city, which I didn't know before yeah, doing I mean, this research. And I come from like a, a meat background pretty much at this point. Well, I've developed a meat background, but, you know, Pat Lafreda Meats just moved to New Jersey. Um, they're one of our biggest distributors here in the mm-hmm. city. Uh, be a lazy just moved from New York City to New Jersey. So, yeah, I guess um, when you bring this up, it is kind of sad to hear that that's happening. We can't lose our identity just because of rent. Well, <laughs> no, yeah, and, and there's, I think, all those city planning issues, zoning and building codes and tax incentives. I mean, you kind of get into the nitty-gritty of, like, how do you incentivize or disincentivize some of this production? Yeah, well, let's, I guess, move on to distribution, as I just brought up one of our favorite distributors. <laughs> Pat LaFrida. Yeah, so that, this was actually my favorite part of the report. Of the report. The, the hunt, you, talk, you guys talk a lot about Hunt's Point. Yeah. Can you, what is what are some of the issues up there? What's going on at Hunts Point? It's not an area that I think about, but belatedly, I was like, yeah. should be. There was that two percent statistic about only two percent of the food at, at Hunts Point is actually coming from New York or something. Did, did, right? Yeah. It's. Um, I, I actually I didn't know that Hunts Point existed before doing this report either. I had no idea, and it's crazy because yeah, like there's so much of our food from the city. A lot of the food that's distributed around the country comes through Hunts Point. And let's just back up a second, yeah. just for people who also might not be aware. What what is Hunts Point? It's a food. It's a food distribution site. So you know, food comes in from farmers around the country, and um, a people come to purchase it wholesale for their for their stores for you know um 
anything anywhere where if there's a bodega and it has oranges it probably those oranges probably came from hunts point it's kind of a centralized everything comes there and gets redistributed and goes throughout just into new york city or like throughout the region throughout the region throughout the country throughout the city it's it's a huge aggregation site for farmers all over the place um some of it comes from you know international sources it's it's huge and the issues um that you know i found in my research um, doing this was, for example, there's a lot. Of, it's it, it's just really over capacity. Um, as far as like it's being you, it's I think it was built in nineteen in the 1960s, and since then they didn't really anticipate you know how much use was going to grow, and so um, they started putting these um, gasoline or diesel powered. Um, what are they? They're like storage facilities. Oh, like the refrigeration. The refrigeration yeah. trucks. And they run constantly to stay cold. And they're storing food out there. And it's, I mean, I can't even imagine, like, what the pollution is as a result. And you know, Hunts South Bronx, you know, is right in the Hunts Point. Hunts Point is in South Bronx. And they have the highest asthma rates in, you know, the city. And, <laughs> and it's, you know, a huge environmental justice issue. And it's just, it's not sustainable to keep those things running constantly. Awesome. So kind of the focus is to look at what, what building, moving to, it, expanding, expanding capacity is one of the proposals. Um, yeah. Redeveloping it so that they don't have to rely on this heavily polluting. Yeah. Can you storage. imagine like a big shared like refrigerated space downtown or something? I mean, yeah. you never know, but like we could rent out slots or something in like a big warehouse and everyone gets to come in and out. I mean, we try and talk about how we're kind of like in the farming world, not in competition with each other. Mm -hmm. So we just have to figure out a way to bring people together in, you know, more ways. And just definitely talking about sharing a refrigerator can be one of them. And and that's something that needs definitely to be done is just figuring out like what is the most efficient way to get food in and out of New York City. And, you know, a lot of that, it still remains to be studied. Eight million people to feed. Yeah, it's a lot. man. Well, consumption, eight million people to feed. What are we going to do about this consumption and then post-consumption issue um, when we talk about this report? I mean, what are we trying to kind of get at here? Um, Well, you know, there's a ton of proposals in this section, but um, a lot, you know, there's we're trying to take advantage more of the FRESH program Mm -hmm. um, is one of the proposals that I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but it was uh, last year. I think it was last year. It came about um, where, you know, targeting uh, food deserts in the city and trying to get more grocery stores there try to make more healthy food available for people. Um, in addition to supplying more healthy food, the report uh, really highlights getting, you know, trying to create healthier food environments through less fast food in neighborhoods. Um, you know, through like the research that I did for this report, we found a lot of studies that showed that fast food restaurants actually target schools because kids have disposable income and so they like sense. set up outside the school and they're like hey kid come here eat my burger <laughs> i mean i don't i, I don't want to believe that it's that like <laughs> you know evil but it's it's statistically significant there's a lot of studies that show it's you know when you look at around the city like it's not randomized they're actually just surrounding especially high schools oh, especially yeah. high schools oh, of I, color. No I mean just look when you're like walking around the city at 3 30 in the afternoon and you walk past some mcdonald's unfortunately i mean it's the it's hangout filled with kids it right is. yeah so sad. I live in Bushwick and I walk and there's a high school right around the corner from me and when I walk out of my house the first thing the kids do is walk into McDonald's yeah walk into McDonald's walk into like 
the Chinese spot with all the fried food and it's you know you want to be like no I, know, I, I remember I used to think it was bad in the grocery store seeing like all the frosted like cereals like at eye level like you know for the kids but it's just getting worse with more money and, it, and it's hard because you can't you can't control what kids you can you can control what kids eat in school but as soon as they leave they're they're in you know independent operators so you know, I guess the best that we can do is just really try to create more healthy options for them well that and I think the city and the city council also can play a big role in in what the neighborhood looks like and what kids have access to with regards to where they can buy food but also do they have adequate spaces to play and exercise and yeah definitely is it safe for them to like be outside and, and doing more kind of physical stuff the other big kind of component of this just kind of hearkening back to last week when we had alexis stevens from green markets on mm-hmm. is the city council's support for for SNAP, the food stamp benefits, has been huge, and I, I'm glad to see that that's something that you guys are looking to grow. Yeah, that's what, Christine Quinn. That was one of her major initiatives is to get more EBT at um, farmers markets around the city, and that's something we're really, you know, the the report really pushes is trying to take advantage of that more it's been such a successful program the farmers win they make so much more money you know people five hundred thousand dollars was was is the number i is think they're on said? target for this yeah, year it's amazing yeah. you know and that's a huge difference to those guys and and just how much more food you can bring home as Definitely. a result of all that fresh produce well, we have a few more minutes we're going to talk before we we head out a little bit about post-consumption kind of one of the less sexy aspects of the food system it's been but a very popular discussion lately i mean we spoke to ben flanner a bit about consum- post-consumption um and then i'm gonna give a little shout out to post-consumption in just a bit so let's hear what this report covered for us first so um you know the report really highlights um, composting and recycling, Yay. which is super <laughs> exciting. Um, coming from San Francisco, I, growing up, you know, in the past, well, actually not growing up, but over the past few years, they've really developed composting program garbage cans are so awesome in san fran <laughs> i know but then realistically you have to look at the fact that san francisco's tiny I know, and but still you know <laughs> it's so there's a lot of issues there but yeah really trying to get composting household composting going in the city trying to get citywide composting going for grocery stores things like that that you know just have so much food coming in and out of their restaurants and then um, reducing packaging on food procured by the city agency, and mm. the city agency is setting a good example for you know, and trying to influence like, you know, what is food is packaged. That's in. like a funny way to think about post-consumption, pre-consumption. But exactly, but it totally makes sense. Pre-cycling. I mean, I know <laughs> exactly. for for like the Batali Restaurant Group, they have someone Elizabeth Meltz committed to talking with the people they buy from mm-hmm. um, and asking that the way that they bring the food to them be in you know not huge styrofoam containers and, and making a change on that level as a buyer too. As you said, you know we vote with our dollar. Right. They want to change the way their food comes to them so they can um, have a bigger impact when they have to throw it out. Exactly. And and you said like the statistic, you know, New York City is the second largest um, purchaser of food to the Department of Defense. And when you think that we have that much purchasing power and when a city like the size of New York requests something like less packaging on their food, people will listen. People will listen. They listen to us. Yeah. New Yorkers. It's exciting. So um, I want to wrap up. But, um, you know, we've obviously just very loosely touched on a couple of the 59 proposals listed in this report. Um, where where can people read the 
read the report. Um, right, right now you could take a look and download it for yourself at council.nyc.gov. Um, and you'll be able to see it on there. Uh, the Food Works, a vision to improve New York City's food system. Um, as things uh, you know continue to unfold, we hope to have Gabby back and um, maybe even Christine C. Quinn herself. And, uh, you know, really um, learn more about um, how we're changing the food system here in New York City. Because uh, there's lots to be done. And as you guys uh, say in the report, we're hoping to create jobs and we're really hoping to make a change. So that's what the Farm Report is all about supporting. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you. And then uh, everyone, next Friday, if you're around, December 17th from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Third Ward, um, we'll be throwing a launch party and panel discussion on composting and urban foods for the landfill zine, um, which will be uh, printed on 100% uh, edible, uh, non-toxic paper. So you could uh, then go ahead and compost uh, your recipes after you go ahead and uh, check them all out. So maybe see you at the Third Ward next Friday, 6 to 8 p.m. to celebrate landfill, um, the zine's launch. And join us next week for Dan Gibson from Grazing Angus here on the Farm Report. All right. Thanks, Jack.